0: gift of salvation i did um and it was largely because of the people of the first baptist church of gas city indiana of all places but these and they were mostly older people but if i looking back there are three words that described them as a group of people light i i felt like my life was just nothing but darkness and i would go there on sunday my dad would drag my brother and me to church and there was, there was light. There was something about them that was light and not dark. And uh, they, they were hopeful. And I didn't, you know, that was a word. At, my, at that stage in my life, I'm not sure what. I didn't understand hope. I didn't understand there could be something better, hoping for something better, believing that something good could come out of something bad and they had a confidence, and so I wanted what they had, and so one morning, I just, back then, this is way back in like the 1970s or whatnot, you know, you may, to make a decision for Jesus, at the end of the church service, you had to walk down to the front, that was kinda, and then you prayed a prayer, and then, you know, you were in, that was kinda how church did it back then, right, so I, I did that, and the funny thing is, I trusted God to save me from my sins, but I spent a large part of my younger years Rooting my, rooting my identity in all kinds of things other than God. And I talked about this a few weeks ago. Remember, Mark can get it straight A's. I was straight A Mark. So I give me a test, I'm gonna get a 95, 98, 100. Uh, I'm gonna do really well. And so, being a straight A mark worked out really well until I went to college, because I went to college with a bunch of brainiacs. And all over campus, you know, it's like, oh, hi, what's your name? Oh, my name's Sally, I was valedictorian in my class. What, What rank were you? I wasn't valedictorian in my class, Sally. (laughs) Like everybody, everybody on my campus was like valedictorian. I began to think, how did I get into this school? (laughs) Like, you know, was it a fluke? Was there a mistake? Did they send me the wrong letter? And uh, then my best friend and roommate made things worse. I love Andrew, I still love him today. I'm gonna get together with him and, and some other guys this summer. But Andrew on the ACT missed one question. He missed, and this is his take on it. Well, you know, Max, that really was a faulty question. I don't know how it got through the vetting process. Based on how they asked it, my answer was, in fact, correct. Now, he's a lot more humble today. (laughs) But you know, when you're not that smart, that's hard to take. And so, smartness wasn't gonna get me anywhere, so I thought, I'm gonna try out for the gospel teams. They had these things called gospel teams and they would send out little young preachers and worship leaders to churches to kind of help them out. And so I tried out and I auditioned and they didn't just have a standard of you had to be really good for college. It was like you had to be Billy Graham good. And so I waited and waited and prayed and then I got the letter. They didn't even tell me in person. It was like a letter and it was one of those, hey, you kind of stink, but you know, God could still use you kind of a letters, and, and they were basically saying, yeah, you can't preach, so we can't use you, thank you, try again, And you know, so that didn't work. Um, and I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago how you know pastors in America, the big altar in America oftentimes isn't Jesus, it's size of influence. How big a celebrity can you be? And so there's all of that that goes on with it. Um, none of those things, none of those efforts on my part gave me any security in my identity. None of them, not a single one. In fact, they only highlighted for me how inadequate I really was. Um, I am so grateful that I had some guides along the way. Um, Mr. Fisk, my high school band director, he would come up to me just talking to other people and he would put his hand on my shoulder. That's all he would do. He would put his hand on my shoulder while he was talking to other people. Um, Lyle Dorsett Uh, was another guide along the way. And he would look me in the eye and he would say, and he had this raspy voice. You think I got a raspy, high Mickey Mouse voice. (laughs) Ha! He had, you know, and so he would go, Brother Max, you're a good man, Charlie Brown. The devil's gonna be worried about you. And I'd always think, man, the devil, really? He's gonna worry about me? Well, what's the devil worried about, right? So, you know, the the little statements, faith statements. Um, Mike Lesage I love having lunch with Mike Lesage, out of his mouth, he will say, I am so glad that I am having lunch with one of my favorite people of the moment. (laughs) And he means it. And he he will say things like that. So I want to suggest to you today that God's gift of salvation is more than just a ticket to heaven. It's restoring what was broken. And Your identity is part of what God wants to restore. Uh, So many people try to root their identity in how they perform, in what others think of them, and how they feel at the moment, and it doesn't work. It leads to death. It leads to all kinds. It takes you to a dark place. And so today, I want to go back to the story of Jacob and Esau, and I want to look for some new things. So if you brought a Bible, yes, we're gonna be in the book of Genesis again, Genesis chapter 27, all right? By way of reminder, a couple of weeks ago we talked about how for a lot of us, growing up in our families gave us a curse and not a blessing. And we talked about all the different kinds of curses that you can get instead of a blessing. (laughs) In this passage in Genesis chapter 27, it's really the story of two brothers, Jacob and Esau. Jacob is the younger brother, only he's always listed first. Isn't that weird, right? You have twins today, and when you're telling their names to other people, you're gonna tell the name of the person who came out first because that's how it works. That's how we do things. But here it is. Poor Jacob is the younger twin, and he's listed first all the time. Jacob was a homebody. He was a bit of a mama's boy. He was a thinker. Esau was the oldest, but he's always listed second. He was hairy. He was a redhead. He was a bit of a sportsman. Dad favored Esau. Mom favored Jacob. Favoritism. Thank goodness you don't have that in your family. But man, the people in the Bible, I'm telling you, are dysfunctional. And, and this Jacob guy who, who becomes the favorite and ends up doing this trickster thing, when he becomes an old man, do you know what he does? He plays favorites, he's got like 12 sons and he's like, you're the awesome son, the rest of you, you should be like him. Oh, well that didn't play out well for the son or any of them for the longest time you can read about it in the second half of Genesis that kid's name is Joseph right and the other thing that goes on in this family is that they're a family of liars i talked about this a couple of week ago a couple of weeks ago abraham the grandfather has his wife in another country and he's worried and afraid and some other things and so he, he lies about uh, who she is and says, well, that's my sister. And then his son turns around and does the same thing and there's this lying family trait that kind of goes down from generation to generation. So again, I just want to remind you, your family is really not that weird. It kind of lines up with what we read in the Bible Families can be dysfunctionally fun, can't they, all right? So in Genesis chapter 27, uh, Isaac is getting old, and he is about to bestow a blessing. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about how this blessing is two things. One, it's God's special favor that goes back to a promise that God made to Abraham. And the second part of it is this unconditional love and acceptance. And the two are kind of merged together. And and so, he's wanting to pass on this blessing. He says, Isaac said, now my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it and I will give you my blessing. He's signaling, I'm ready to say some important things to you because I know my time is limited and I want you to hear these things. And so, uh, there's a twist, right? Uh, Jacob and his mother conspire together and they decide, we're gonna trick Dad. Dad's favorite is the oldest, but I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna pretend to be Esau and I'll get the blessing. <laughs> he probably didn't laugh that way, but you know they're tricking. They're tricking. So, Isaac, uh, Jacob puts hairy stuff on himself. He puts on his brother's clothes. He does all this thing. His mom cooks uh, her her husband's favorite meal. They you know and they work this out together. And so. Uh, they end up fooling the man. They end up fooling Isaac. But Isaac says this, now my son, bring me the wild game, let me eat it and I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father and Isaac ate it and he drank the wine that Jacob served him. And then Isaac said to Jacob, please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him and when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, right, He was finally convinced and he blessed his son. Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors which the Lord has blessed. There's come a little closer and kiss me. That Hebrew word for come a little closer is the same word used to describe when armies come together and are drawn together in battle. Close proximity. It's the same word used to describe the scales on a crocodile that overlap each other. Close proximity, come a little closer. right? This is speaking to to a component of blessing. It's called meaningful touch. Isaac is giving his son meaningful touch. Remember Mr. Fisk, my band director, he would talk to other people and put his hand on my shoulder? Meaningful touch. That's what's going on in this passage. Meaningful touch is anything that's appropriate and non-sexual that conveys value. It's a hug, it's a kiss on the forehead. It's Frodo and Sam right, and Lord of the Rings, Um, and so this Jacob turns around many, many chapters later in chapter 48 and does the same thing with his kids. He says, come close and kiss me as he's nearing death and ready to pass on a blessing of his own, right, and so meaningful touch is an important way to show love. It's no wonder in the Bible that on the day of the atonement, the high priest will place his hand on the scapegoat. It's no wonder that priests, when they're offering sin sacrifices, will actually place their hand on the bull as it's sacrificed, okay? Did you know that in your hand, over one-third of all of your touch receptors are located in your hands? Meaningful touch. Meaningful touch. Well, the, the passage goes on. And this is the blessing that, that uh, uh, he gives. From the dew of heaven and the riches of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants and may they bow down to you. May, your young, may you be the master over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed and all who bless you will be blessed. Isaac gives his son a spoken message. Jewish people to this day will speak a blessing at the birth of a child, at the dedication of a child, at circumcision, at the bar and bar mitzvah. I remember flying to, uh, what is it, Connecticut uh, for our cousins, bar and bar mitzvah. Yes, they're Jewish, right? And so Ben and Hannah, they're twins. And there's this moment in the ceremony. They have to complete a project. There's all these things they have to do. It's a big deal. But then the parents come up and speak over their, over their children, and they speak things about their children's future. I believe in you, and I believe this about you, and this is the kind of person that you're going to become, and this is who we see you as. And it's a powerful, powerful moment. Jewish people still do it to this day and they'll do it at weddings as well. A spoken message is simply declaring those things that you desire to see come to pass in someone else's life. Uh, a few years uh, before my dad died, he did that for me. This is a Bible that he gave me. This is what it says. To my son who has been given a, quote, special purpose by God. It's a spoken message from my dad, okay? Okay. Meaningful touch and spoken message are part of a blessing. And I know for some of you, you're thinking back to your childhood and you're like, man, my mom and dad, they need to go to jail. Well, hold on. (laughs) Hold on, right? God does this time and time again throughout the Old and New Testaments. God does meaningful touch, spoken blessing. God does a spoken message to his people time and time again. I will give you a land flowing with milk and honey. You are the victors. Other nations will serve you. You are God's chosen people, a royal priesthood. You have been entrusted with the good news. Time and time again in the Old and New Testaments, God gives and is attempting to give a blessing to his people. Let me ask you a question. Who do you most identify with do you see yourself more as an esau or do you see yourself as a jacob here's my bet i've only been on this spinning ball 40 some years most of the people i meet in life whether they go to church or they don't do you know what the truth is they see themselves as an esau they see themselves as living under a curse They see their life as, no offense, a country song. Why is it that country songs are never happy, unless they're singing about taking their girl to the lake? I mean, every country song is nothing but heartache. There are no country songs about winning the lottery and living happily ever after. (laughs) There just aren't. (laughs) And yet... So many people go through life believing that God's love is conditional, believing that their status with God is based on their performance. Well, I just haven't been to church. Well, I haven't done my part. I haven't prayed. I haven't read the Bible. You know, I don't see why God would bless me. I don't see why God would love me. Where in this book is God's love conditional based on your performance? It's not in there. It's not in there so many people see themselves as esau and i'm telling you they couldn't be more wrong i know this because jesus says similar things so jesus who is god in the flesh who shows us what unconditional love and acceptance looks like right he goes from town to town place to place he picks disciples that no one else would pick he welcomes and eats with sinners and tax collectors people whose lives are a train wreck and a and a true country song, okay? And yet, he front loads the relationships with them with acceptance, and Jesus tells stories. I love the way he tells stories, and one of the stories he tells is a famous one. You've heard of it. It's the story of the prodigal son. Really, it should be called the story of the father, because that's really what the story is about. The story is about the kind of God, the kind of father that God is, okay? But, But he tells this story. A guy has two sons, an older son, a younger son. Hmm, the younger son in this story turns out to be the dud. There's a good son and a bad son. Oh wait, we just covered that. Jacob and Esau, good son, bad son. Okay, so in in the story of the prodigal son, it's the younger son who's the bad son. He goes to his father and says, Dad, look, I really don't want a relationship with you. You know what I want? I want your money. What could be more cruel and heartless to a father who only wants to have relationship with his sons? You would think in light of that kind of a statement, in light of that kind of action, that the stance of the father would be to the older son, all right, it's on you now, buddy. I got one son, that's what I got. That other son, cut, done. He will never eat in this home again. I don't care if he comes crawling back on his hands and knees groveling He will never be a member of this family. Is that how the father reacts in the story of the prodigal son? No, he waits. And sure enough, the day comes when the younger son comes to his senses and goes home with a rehearsed speech and seeing his wayward son off in the distance, what does the father do? He runs to greet him. And in that moment, he has a feast. And in that moment, the younger son has a choice. The younger son has a decision. What's gonna be my identity from this point on? When I go to town and do business for my father, am I gonna hang my head low and walk around because I'm I'm the stupid son, I'm the wicked son, I'm the son that dishonored his father? Yeah, that's me, I'm not the good one. I'm here, I'm so lucky he took me back. Or or is the younger son gonna walk in an identity that is rooted in love and acceptance. What does the father do? He puts a ring on his finger and he puts a robe around him. These are symbols of complete acceptance in the family. No holds holds barred. And so the younger son, in my opinion, he's he's got a decision to make. How is he gonna walk out his identity? Is he going to step into his father's love, the ring, the robe, and who he is? Or is he gonna spend the rest of his life as the stupid one, the one that made all the dumb decisions? You know people who go one way or the other, don't you? And the narrative that they frame for their lives becomes self-fulfilling prophecy. So for those of you that have put your faith in Jesus Christ, who have trusted that what he has done is enough for you, I wanna to say to you that you are Jacob, Jacob because you have been adopted into God's family, you are Jacob, you are blessed. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Question is, will you believe it? Will you step into it? And will you allow that to determine who you are? I know so many Christians they will say, I'm blessed. They don't understand they're blessed to be a blessing. They'll say, I'm forgiven. But they don't understand they're forgiven to forgive. They'll say, I'm adopted. And it never enters their mind that they're adopted so that they go to the highways and hedges and bring them in. Meaningful touch and a spoken message. There's the, there's the prodigal son coming home. Meaningful touch and a, and a spoken message. I come from a family of non-huggers, okay? I still have this tendency when I'm hugging someone to do the three pats, we are done. (laughs) We are done hugging the three pats, right? Ryan and Ora Page were back a few weeks ago. We got to spend some time with them and I was giving Ryan snark while they were over at our house, okay? I was just, I was decimating him verbally. It was great. And he got up out of his seat and he came over to the couch where I was sitting and he nestled right up in, like there was no room, like it was beyond inappropriate. (laughs) He reaches and pulls me in to him and puts his arm around me. And at that point, the whole room is bursting out laughing because (laughs) I am like 50 shades of red. And he's like, So who's winning now? (laughs) You are bubble, bubble. (laughs) But here's the deal. God is at work in me. And even though my family story is a Spock, is a non-hugger, it's the case today that for a lot of our young people, do you know what I'll do? I will lean on them with my elbow. I'm doing a Mr. Fisk. It's meaningful touch. It's intentional. I will actually initiate hugs now, okay? Listen, this is the work of God. This isn't Max (laughs) Vanderpool. This is the work of God. This is not Max Vanderpool, okay? The blessing that God gave you, he wants you to give to others. And an amazing way to do that is through meaningful touch. Another way to do it is through spoken message. Uh, My dad's inscription in that Bible in January, uh, in January, we got a new trash company in Nicholasville, Kentucky Hauling, and there were a lot of snafus with it, uh, there were a lot of problems, and, and my neighborhood was going to be missed, so we were going to end up, because of the way trash pickup worked before and the way it was going to work, is we were going to go two weeks without trash pickup around between Christmas and New Year's, so you have extra trash. And so I called them to say, hey, I see the schedule. I see you can't have extra things out other than the Herbie. And she said, yes, Mr. Vanderpool, that's true. We're gonna, the guys are gonna try to hit your neighborhood on this day. So go ahead and put it on your old day, even though that company's no longer doing it. But I, I can't make any promises. And it's likely that they're just not gonna hit it. But sure enough, they rolled around. They did two extra routes that day. And not only did they pick up my trash, they, I had a ton of extra stuff, I had five extra cans out. And the new contract says they're not, they're not gonna touch it and yet they hauled it all away. Well, a couple of weeks later, I'm thinking to myself, you know, they've had a rough go. I'm just going to call and mention that this happened. So I call and, and I say, hey, this is my name. This is where I live. I was one of the people caught in that awkward thing where we were going to go two weeks without. I just want you to know that your guys not only came, they did the, the, they did the extra route that day, but they picked up everything. I just want to say thank you. Way to rock it. I know that you told me I shouldn't expect it, and yet you did it anyway. Thank you so much. Da, da, da. Well, I can hear on the phone that she is crying. And she says to me, and, I, and I'm like, I'm sorry, did I say something wrong? And she goes, I've worked for this company for 20 years, and I have never had the kind of vile, angry phone calls that I've had for two weeks straight and today I came in and I had just decided that I was gonna quit. I just thank you for calling today. Well, two months later, she sends me this note. Mr. Vanderpool, just a short note to say, thank you for calling in to our office and spreading a little cheer. It may not, I may not be sending this in a timely manner, again, two months, but I'm sending it with a sincere thank you for being kind and positive on a day when it was much, much needed. Spoken message. You can, now, in the, in the back of the room today, I have a tool for you to use. This is a note card to get you started. And it's got three options at the top, and you can check off a box. And I wanna challenge you and encourage you to use this with your friends, with members of your family, with people that you work with. I'm really glad that, I hope you know that. I've noticed that. And then there's a space at the bottom. Signed. Give someone a spoken message. If you've got kids, drop it in a lunchbox once every so often. Or if they're drivers, tape it to their steering wheel so that when they go out to the car, they find it. If you have a spouse, this is a good thing to stop. Stick in the mirror so that when they're getting ready and brushing their teeth in the morning, they're like, oh, what is this, right? Spoken message. This is huge. God has blessed you to be a blessing. And so walk in that identity and bless those around you. How would would your family life change if it were characterized by meaningful touch and a spoken message? It'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? be awesome how would your work be different come on (laughs) it would be better i just want to remind you today that your true status for all of you who have put your faith in jesus christ is that of jacob i want you to believe in it and i want you to step in it in the next two weeks i'm going to explain how i'm going to talk about how in the next two weeks so hang with me but today i just want you to make a decision you know what i'm jacob That's who I am, I'm blessed. I am loved, I am accepted, that's my identity. It is not a curse.